there, get ready. You are now listening to Talk of the Town with Jill and Carmen, the one and only podcast for the Mount Mansfield community. It doesn't matter if you just moved into the area or you are a fifth-generation Vermonter. This podcast is sure to delight you and inform you. Go ahead, sit back, and relax. Here are your hosts, Jill and Carmen. Well, hello and welcome to Talk of the Town podcast with Jills and Carmen. You have me, Jills, and next to me is Carmen. Hello. How are you doing, Carmen? I'm doing really well. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Mm-hmm. Did yeah. you have a good Easter? I did. How about you? I did. I did. It awesome. was, uh, yeah, we spent time with family and just laughed a lot. That's good. That's really good. I did about the same. I went and I get to go to my mother's and see my kids and ate a lot of ham. Mm-hmm. So it was good. Yep. Yep. We had lasagna. Lasagna. And an egg bake. It was like breakfast, kind of. <laughs> breakfast lasagna. Huh. Oh, well. It was good. <laughs> I do like uh, lasagna the next day. I, I'm guilty of uh, leftovers. Yeah, mm. and I've eaten it for breakfast. I can say that. <laughs> well, it's like pizza. People have pizza for breakfast. Not me, but <laughs> I'm one of those. So uh, yeah, if there's leftover pizza or leftover lasagna, I'm probably gonna get into it at breakfast. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> excellent. So we have a fantastic show for you today. We're gonna get into a conversation here in a minute with uh, Master Jordan. Of Jordan's black belt, um, what a, what a fun time that was! Yeah. But uh, before we get into it, we have a couple of things to deal with. One of them is we get a phone call from our friend Tom Isabel. Yep, with Isabel Lighting. Dot com. That's Do not right. forget that. Uh, and you can go ahead if you're lost in the dark. You can hit them up for a light bulb or two. That's right. A lighting fixture. And if you tell them Talk of the Town sent you, you might get uh, 10% off or uh, a free light bulb. I don't know. <laughs> no That's guarantees. That's off the cuff here. We didn't consult him about that. <laughs> I did not. But uh, he called and left us a message. So uh, we figured we could offer a sale on his products. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. really. What we want to do is just kind of address like his comment. Um yeah. And we're just going to have a little fun with it, just because we know Tom. <laughs> we do. So here is his voicemail. Hey, guys. Uh, this is Tom from calling in from IsabelLighting.com on a little break here, listening to the show. Um, and great job. Uh, I've listened to all three episodes that you've made so far. Great job. Um, just wanted to make a little suggestion. If you could... Um, put your phone number up in the earlier part of the show. That would be cool, too. But uh, either way, um, doing a great job. And I wanted to know, because I listen to your show on Spotify, um, and I don't know if there's a, you know, you can, I don't know what other venues that you have where you can actually listen to. Um, Spotify, I just have the free version. Maybe the premium version has this option, but um, there's no option that I have to like it or anything. So I don't know if you guys even know that people who use, 
you know, Spotify um, are listening in. So, anyways, just uh, wondering that if uh, if there is a way that we can give you guys credit somehow, and if you, you know, just wondering if you guys actually know um, metrics on the podcast listeners. Um, keep on doing a great job. Talk to you soon. Bye bye. So Tom is the, there's a couple things. The first one is is that uh, he listens on Spotify. And we do have the ability to see who's listening and on what device they're listening. I can tell you what. I know what you're listening to right now. <laughs> so that's called Matrix. Yeah. And we can see that behind the scenes. No, it's Metrics. Oh, Matrix. Metrics. Oh, I'm sorry. Matrix is red pill, blue pill. And, and that's oh, a whole yeah. other story. So uh, and thank you for correcting that. <laughs> yeah. We're not in the Matrix. Uh-huh. <laughs> but we are. We, we do follow our metrics on this and so yeah we do know which platform people use and we do know that we have sent it to various many we've got many options for you to listen to on this yeah amazon um google Google, apple Apple. yeah we got all the big ones Mm -hmm. even a few that i didn't know existed before (laughs) i started this but see we're learning we are I didn't realize that there was this many options to listen to podcasts on. Or that there was that many podcasts to listen to. Right? Yeah. So if you're listening, we do appreciate that you've chosen to listen to us. Mm-hmm. And Tom's other question was about the phone number. Well, let me give it to you for now, but then we'll explain something to yeah. you. 802 858 Three, four. Yeah, and the reason that we don't normally put it in the beginning of the episode is because we want to torture you and make you wait until the very end before you can call and complain about how awful it was. <laughs> no, really, all in fun. It seems to be a protocol with podcast is that they, you know, they they give all the information at the end. Yeah. Um. So we just kind of adopted that. So um, th- those are the reasons we do, we do uh, what we do. That's it. <laughs> so yeah, um, we do have a good, a good show for you today, uh, Master Jordan. Just yeah, what an inspiration he is. Yeah, what, I was what, really touched by his story. Yep, me too. So uh, we're gonna play that for you today, and uh, go ahead and listen to the whole thing. Tom. <laughs> yeah. And we don't care how long it is, Nancy. Uh, but uh, yeah, go ahead and listen to this. You're going to be encouraged. You're going to be inspired. And I think you're going to like it. And then we'll get back with you at the end of it. All right. We are here with Master Jordan of Jordan's Black Belt Academy. And uh, we've got some some questions we always like to start off on a fun note absolutely sounds good yeah nice to be here by the way (laughs) our first question is what is your most regrettable fashion choice (laughs) well here's the thing is now i'm going to truly date myself that's the thing so the people listening there's going to be only a select few who are going to understand uh uh, or called flight pants and jerry curls back in the 80s uh so what happened was um back in the 80s uh, my family is actually not from Vermont. We moved to Vermont, but uh, we lived in Randolph, Vermont, about an hour south of where we're located right now. 
And back in the 80s, the big thing to do was to have your cur- your your hair all jerry curled out. And I used to do a lot of breakdancing and teach breakdancing lessons. So the outfits I wore, if I look at them now, I'm like, oh, my goodness, what were you doing? And I look at the hairstyle, I'm like, oh, my goodness, what were you doing? Uh, but, you know, it was it was on Vogue at the time, right? So, you know, but I look back and I'm like, yeah, some pretty bad clothing back in the 80s. It really was. It really was. So, yeah. The neon colors, too, that went along with it and all that sure. stuff. Yeah, all the neon jackets. I think if you go and watch, there's a movie out there. I think it's called uh, Hot Tub Time Machine, where they go back to the 80s. Yes. Right? And, and all the day, all the things they're wearing and all the hairstyles. Yeah, that was rather unfortunate, <laughs> but I lived it. <laughs> That's cool. All right. So then, I don't know if the, the 80s fits this question <laughs> or not, but if you could be in a movie, what would it be? Well, being a martial artist... Um, that's a tricky one. One of two things. I think the fantasy side of things, there's a movie out there called Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. It was one of my favorite movies. Uh, I'd love to be in that if there was a remake it. And, of course, my ability is not what it used to be being older now. But that would be one. But to be honest, I think the best movie I'd love to be in will be one about my life story. Ooh. Well, about my nice. life story. I've had a lot of things. I've been fortunate to experience a lot of wonderful things in my life. I've also experienced a lot of hardships in my life. But they make up this incredible movie that I would love to star in. I don't, not from an egotistical point of view by any means, but I have so many interesting things that I was fortunate enough to take part in, be part of, grow, learn, and see at a young age. And yeah, I would, I would like to be the star of uh, the movie about my life. Oh, that's a really good answer. That's a really good answer. Yeah, and if there's any directors out there that want to do a, a highlight on breakdancing and martial, martial arts, arts, yeah. That's just the tip of it. Yeah. <laughs> So you're talking about all of these things. What is the funniest or the craziest thing that you've ever done? Wow. Boy, that's I have a lot. And some, some of them may be appropriate. No, no I'm just joking. Inappropriate, <laughs> yeah. Um, some of the funniest and craziest things I've ever done. Well, crazy and funny are different, right? Craziest thing I've ever done was bungee jump. That's crazy. Uh, people are like, you really bungee jump? I'm like, yeah, I absolutely did. The only reason I did it, because I'm, I have a fear of heights, right? So to me, it was insane to even want to do this. It was mm-hmm. kind of conquering, kind of Freudian, you know, hit your fears head on, that type of thing. Yeah. But the only reason I was able to make myself do it in action movies, when somebody jumps off of a building, they have this big air-filled thing underneath, so they could literally jump from 10 stories and land in this air thing that would, you know, take them down easy to the ground. The bungee cord happened to have one of those underneath it. So I felt a little more secure, a little more safe. So I said, okay, I'll do it. But boy, it was tough. But that was, it was crazy in my book. I was like, yeah. I was really stepping out, out mm-hmm. of my comfort zone. Well, yeah, because you have a fear. Yeah. yeah. Funniest thing. Ooh. <laughs> All depends on which chapter of my life I'm talking about here. Pick you one. Know? Pick one. <laughs> uh, is it funny at my expense or someone else here? No, <laughs> definitely your expense. Definitely yeah. my expense, right? I think one of the funniest things was my wife and I and, and our good friends went to a concert in Boston uh, to see a group called the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Okay, amazing nice. group, right? Yeah. And it was, it was in Boston. We headed down. It was a massive snowstorm. And we're backlogged in this traffic, and we weren't going anywhere. So I decided, I'm dressed really nice in dress shoes, and I decided I was going to get out of the car and just kind of you know walk up and see what was going on. We were sitting there forever. Take one step off the side of the road, and I sink into snow waist high. 
and they're all laughing in the car at me. And I'm trying. All of a sudden, the traffic starts moving, and my buddy decides to leave me behind. I'm trying to run in snow and dress shoes and dress out in a suit. Uh, I had no jacket on. I lost my shoe in the snow. I had to turn around and try to find it. They're laughing in the car, and they said they wish they could have filmed it because it was the funniest thing they ever saw me running along the traffic, kind of motioning like you're gonna stop, but no. They decided to keep going, and there I was, waist deep in snow, making a complete fool. All the cars are going by, laughing, waving, and beeping. I'm like, this is awful. <laughs> so uh, that's, was, a, that's a this, great scene for a movie. It was. It's like right? the opening, it, it, right? It, it, yeah, it right there. It, it was really. It was a funny thing. Obviously, being there and being involved in it, you know, it's one of those. You know, when you're in the moment, it's even funnier, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but just picture me running down the road, trying to losing my shoe, inappropriate clothing, people beeping at me. It was uh, it was pretty funny because I was impatient. It was I kind of got my own, you know, my comeuppance for being impatient, right? So, yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> funny. Well, thank you for that introduction. Yeah, let's move along. Sure. Why don't you tell us about yourself mm -hmm. and your business? Sure. Um, well, myself, uh, you know, the business, obviously, uh, it's a traditional Taekwondo program. And the name of our business, Jordan's Black Belt Academy, obviously my last name. And what I've been doing is I've been doing martial arts now, doing Taekwondo, and a couple other facets of martial arts that I've been brought into my program. And this May will be my 41st year of training. So 41-year anniversary. This May started when I was younger. And it was one of those things where I got into it because I was into every sport I can get my hands on. Baseball, basketball, soccer, uh, you know, whatever it was, I was always doing a sport. And when the Taekwondo classes came to my hometown, I was intrigued. I was like, wow, that looks like fun. So I tried to work that into all the other sports that I was doing. So it was three months in martial arts class, then I was kind of in and out because of basketball or soccer season, and then it was some more back in the martial arts class. And I, whenever I wasn't doing a traditional sport, I was in martial arts class trying to learn. So it was a really wonderful way to uh, cross-train as an athlete because it provided a different type of thing, balance and flexibility and strength and endurance. Along with it comes a specific mindset that you have to have as well, too. The amount of focus needed. Um, we also follow a code of conduct we call our tenets of Taekwondo. Self-control, perseverance, integrity, courtesy, and indomitable spirit. So these things are part of the program in itself. It's not just somebody who's in a gym kicking a heavy bag. That doesn't make you a martial artist. A martial artist is someone who trains in a holistic approach, strong, strong body, mind, and spirit. That's how you become a good traditional martial artist. It's not to be confused with what you see on TV today. That's martial combat. That has nothing to do with the holistic approach of being the best version that you can be for yourself. So that's what I do, uh, the style of martial arts that I'm involved in. And I stopped doing all the other sports like most people when they get out of college, you know, played all the sports in high school, played the sports in college. And actually halfway through my college days, um, I was recruited to play soccer. And at the time, I realized that the soccer coach and myself were on completely different Ages. And you hear people talk about how important a coach or a mentor can be to someone because they can say one thing and completely change the path of the individual that you are working with. And he had said some things that were really insulting, hurtful, um, without me even knowing I heard them. And I decided we had to go in a different direction. 
at that point is when I really focused 100% on my martial arts because I was doing that along the way. And it was martial arts was something that I did. It is now who I am. So, yes, I'm Leonard Jordan. I'm Master Jordan to my students. And you know, a couple of years down the road, my title will change once I'm promoted to Grand Master. That's the highest rank that you can have. But, you know, it was one of those things where this is who I am. I don't remember not doing it. It's been so long. It's ingrained in the fiber of who I am. And, you know, of course, I get home teaching, and my wife is like, hey, you're not Master Jordan here. Calm down. Because I'm energetic from class. I get home, right? And uh, so, you know, it, it crosses over into everything that I do, though, how I present myself in public, how I speak with people, how I take care of people. If I'm going to talk the talk, I have to be willing to walk the walk also. And sometimes it's tricky. Really, it, it can be. We're human beings, and we will, you know, emotions run how they run within us. You know, sometimes you get frustrated. It's hard to maintain that self-control at times, but we have to. Um, and for me, it's easy. I'm easy to pick it out of a lineup around here. So if I do something wrong, they're going to know who I am. <laughs> it's not that big of a community. It's like, oh, yeah, it's Master Jordan, the martial arts guy. I can't drive 70 down the road because they saw me, right? So I jokingly joke about that stuff as well, too. But, you know, that's not me anyway. So. Um, and our business is, you know, we started in uh, 1990, it was March of 94, actually, when I started here in Jericho. And uh, we've been involved in this community for so long now. People have come, generations come through. Uh, people who were children that trained with me at school grew up, went away, college, got married, had children, moved back to the area, and now their children are training with me. And it's a really, really beautiful cycle to see. It really is something special. And the first time that happened, I was shocked because the young lady who had moved away, I thought I'd never see her again, and there's this girl in class training and I'm talking to her and I see her sitting in the back of the room uh, with her grandfather had brought her and all of a sudden at the end of class the mom walks in who I hadn't seen since she was young and it was awesome it, it was awesome because you can always come home right that saying and uh, she was you know a wonderful student and I yell her name and she didn't miss a beat she said yes sir and she starts laughing i'm like oh you still got it all right so she was you know so it's amazing in our school the generations and families that are involved with we have several families in our neighborhood um so you know we're up to about 230 students between my two locations now it started from humble beginnings of just 30 people and it's you know grown to something very very special it really has yeah that's really cool yeah yeah, you have definitely impacted a lot of people, and, and people associate you with mm -hmm. with your business and, yeah. and know you. Um, well, I think it's more than that, too. I mean, I think they associate you with some, just some good values, you know, and, yeah. and really discipline and the things that sure. come with. Yeah, you walk the walk, and, mm -hmm. and, and people know it. Yeah. And when they're your students, there's mm -hmm. almost an expectation from your students to act a certain Absolutely. way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, and. and you know, being, I think I call myself the final generation uh, between old school and new school way of training and thought philosophies. You know, I was the last generation raised old school. You know, my parents, you know, uh, you know, product of their environment. So they taught me the best that they knew how. Mm -hmm. And so being the age, you know, I don't mind saying I'm this summer, I'm going to be 54 years old. Um, and my generation was, I almost feel the last one that had that perfect balance of old school work ethic and, and and the way to think about things, but the fortunate experience to be able to 
bring the new school together and kind of bridge that gap a little mm-hmm. bit, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas somebody who may be in their 20s doesn't even grasp the concept of what we were raised with. Mm-hmm. And it's a different, it's a different thing. Yeah. So yeah. I try to maintain, something still should remain constant. Work mm-hmm. ethic, you know, honesty, integrity, uh, being a steward of the community, doing things for others for the sake of just doing them because it's right. Those things remain constant no matter what generation it is, mm-hmm. right? And trying to find a way to implement things like that in a new school of thought process. Mm-hmm. So that's what we try to do. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. So I, I want to know about, you know, how you educated yourself to mm-hmm. be a business owner mm-hmm. and, and run this, this yeah. successful business. Mm-hmm. And I guess my question is, um, if somebody comes to, to Jordan's Black Belt Academy, they're not necessarily going to leave your your school knowing how to run a successful school, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Correct. So, so there's, a, there's a difference Absolutely. in this. Absolutely. How did you learn that? Ah, love this question. This is a good one. I like to consider myself an anomaly. And what I mean by that is growing up in the martial arts, there were schools, right? Most martial artists weren't business people. And most business people didn't know how to do martial arts. I happen to be a perfect hybrid of them both because I grew up in a family business since I was a kid. I went to school for business and marketing and advertising and management. And I happened to love martial arts. So what happened for me was it was I caught lightning in a bottle because of the fact that I have an amazing instructor who taught me so much about martial artists, being a martial artist and in a martial arts itself, and already having a business background, knowing how to run a business. I used to be a marketing consultant also. So I taught people how to market their business, design ad copy, how to do things, why it should be this color and not that, why it should be this font and not that. And my parents always taught me to be um, to rely self-reliant. Don't rely on someone else to do it if you can do it yourself. And that's the beauty behind being self-employed, being an entrepreneur, right? So what people were paying people to teach them about marketing, and co- I already knew that stuff because that's what I taught. I also figured out how to use... Uh, the software on computers to create my own advertisements and to do all these things that people are paying others to do. So I never had to rely on anybody else to teach me about business because since day one, when I was a kid, I grew up in family business. So I was literally lightning in a bottle uh, because there's other successful martial arts schools around here. Absolutely. However, they had to learn how to be a business person in order to make their school succeed, I already knew how to be a business person. So it really gave me an advantage. Not that I know anything more than anybody else. That's not it. I was just quicker to the game yep. uh, with a lot less pain and agony. And, you know, for, for all the concepts about how to run a successful business and how to work with people and partner with them, I learned this. I was trained by some of the best sales professionals in my previous career. Took all the knowledge, everything I had, said, okay, get rid of the stuff that doesn't work for me, that might work for somebody else. Put it all together. What works for me? This is my recipe. And it works for me. Uh, I tell people who are in other martial arts schools, they actually come to me sometimes for advice. You know, Master Jordan, how did you get that to work? And I'll say, look, here it is. I'll give them a recipe. And I always love to spin this one. Um, if Let's say you and I were making pancakes. We've all made pancakes before. Let's put two bowls on the table. 
in the one bowl, I want you to put all of your dry goods, your cake flour, you know, biscuit, or whatever, however the dry goods are. And in the other bowl, I want you to put your wet goods, milk, eggs, oil, whatever it may be. Now you tell me, okay, take the wet goods and pour them into the dry goods and stir it up. What do you get? Pancake batter. But I say, no, take the dry goods and you should put them into the wet goods and mix it up. What do you get? The same pancake batter. Two different methodologies, right. same end result. However, it doesn't matter how good the recipe is. If you're a bad cook, you're going to burn it every time. Yeah. Right? So you can give any business advice to somebody, but if they don't know how to implement it, don't have the foresight, don't have the previous knowledge, don't have the staff around them, don't have uh, the support network, haven't tried it, it may not come out the same. You know? uh, so I was just one of those people that happened to have the business background all of my life. And I remember my father saying, don't work harder for somebody else than you do for yourself. That's good advice. And I knew I was going to be a business owner when I was a child because my dad had his, we had our New York deli in, in Randolph, Vermont, back in the 70s, one of the first ever in, in Vermont. My parents were from Brooklyn and Bronx. So they really knew what a, a deli was, right? So he said, don't work harder for somebody than you do for yourself. And I knew I wanted to be in business for myself. I didn't know how to get there. I figured out the path, but I did know what the destination was going to be, and here I am. And I was an anomaly. I really, really was because most people have kind of, you know, somnambulistically walk through life and try to figure out what they want to do or not quite sure. But I knew from the jump off. Mm. Okay, well, that's great. Thank you. Yeah. That's really, um, yeah. it's fascinating. So when you, when you, okay, so you're, you're, work, you're working um, hard for yourself. Mm -hmm. You are doing what you need to do to earn income. You're bringing mm -hmm. it in. Mm -hmm. You're good at many things. You're pursuing it until you find it mm -hmm. and you found it. Mm -hmm. Once you found this business and you started to develop it and it grew, mm -hmm. how did you end up balancing that work and life? Yeah, and I tell you, that is the one thing I think took a little more practice. The business part came naturally to me. But, you know, the time when I finally, you know, my wife and I had a daughter and, okay, I always said to myself, I want to be there for all of my daughter's events, be it sports be it uh, graduations, be it whatever those things are. Um, when she, you know, when she had her communion, and I was, I mean, I wanted to, I didn't want to miss a thing. And I knew being self-employed that if I had to ask the boss for a day off, he was going to say yes. <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to cancel class today because my daughter has this. Or I had some people run class for me so I could go and be that. So I always said the time whenever I had a child, I would be there more than the average person because I had the ability because my classes were in the evening. But I also really, to be honest, said that because when my family had our restaurant, there was no balance. And I didn't want to repeat history. My father and my mother, we had a restaurant and they worked the 80 hours a week. It was one of those things when a restaurant, you live, eat, breathe, and sleep it, and you can't leave it. So a lot of things my parents missed because of it. I didn't take it personally. I'm, I'm okay. I'm a happy person, right? But I also knew that I did not want to do that to my daughter. So I made the conscious choice to be able to arrange things and strike that balance. Now, are there days where I can't go to something because I just can't because I have a special event or I'm knee-deep in some things? There are those times, and my family understands that. They do. 
but I'm not one of those, you know, obsessive compulsive. I'm gonna do it. at all costs. This has to, no. We have to have a balance, and that's in in our martial arts in the front of our flag. The, uh, there's a center circle. Most people call it yin and yang, but ours is yang and um. The you know the opposites look like little teardrops. They make a circle, and they stand for opposites: hot, cold, day, night, heaven, earth, fire, water. But it's about balance, and you have to have that balance in your life to be happy. There's many spokes in the wheel. And if one spoke is bent, the wheel's going to wobble a little bit, right? So my family life is ultra important to me. That is, I'm a number one first family man. And then my business. I've always been that way, and that's the only way I can be. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. your, your daughter's lucky to have a father <laughs> with that type of mindset. Yeah. Uh, and it sounds like you learned... You learned the, the what to do or what mm -hmm. not to do yep. from from those around you. Absolutely. And, you know, and those that don't study history are doomed to repeat it. Is that that's, what that saying goes, right? Yeah. So right. I kind of applied that thought process to my family life. I had a pretty tumultuous family life when I was young. So I saw all the what not to do's and I put them into my memory banks and said, here's what I want to do. Right. And uh, so, you know, I, tr I try to be that way. And I was I even tell my students. Do you know the difference between a smart person and a wise person? And they're like, no, sir. I said, a smart person learns from their own mistakes, and a yeah. wise person learns from other people's mistakes. Right. Mm -hmm. So do you want to be a smart person or a wise person? And they're like, a wise person, sir. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, some lessons in life need to be lived in order to learn. I get that. Yep. But try to be the wise person. Yeah. Would you say, um, that's just a question I'm popping, coming out, you know. You had mentioned earlier about having that life that, you know, of hardship. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, would you say that definitely those things have played a part in who you are today? I mean, we, we know the answer is yes, yes. but yes. you know, how, just, yeah. just a little bit, sure, how, sure. how did it really develop? You know, what's funny is that, and, and there's probably some, you know, not all good things came from it. I probably have some idiosyncrasies that I know drive my family nuts that came from it. Right. Um, but you know, when, you know, the, the toughest thing that I had to deal with was when I was young, my parents divorced. And that, that, that was difficult. It was difficult on, on us all. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, my father went into a different direction, and I didn't hear from him for a little while. Okay. And we struggled financially. And I'm not gonna lie, it was it was difficult. There were there was a, there were some days where the the food pantry was pretty lean, and I I remember it vividly. And I'll share this story, which was really difficult, but I don't mind sharing it because I'm okay with it, right? We were on assistance, and you know, back in the day, it was food stamps, paper food stamps, right, and all that stuff. So we were on assistance for a little while, and I had to go to the grocery store to get some things. And one of my friends was bagging groceries. And it was hard for me to go in there and knowing I had to use it. It was a pride thing because we were formerly, you know, owned a business formerly. When my parents divorced, the business went, went away. So it was hard to be in one position one day and completely have to rely on help from others just to get by. So when you hear of people struggling out there, I lived it firsthand. I fully understand it. So that hardship, I took it, and it motivated me to work extra hard to never have to be there again. 
try to get away from whatever I got to do. Work three jobs. My mom did the same. Whatever you got to do to rise to the level of expectation, step up. That was a hardship we had to willingly overcome, but it was it was a tough thing. It really, really was. Um, and then you know, there's there's another one I will share with you, but I want to I don't want to get too far off track because it was the reason why I opened my school. It's a pretty pretty emotional story. Okay, okay. and you already know it's coming up, right? Well, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're talking yeah. about questions yeah. here. Yeah, <laughs> but what you said leads to. What was the greatest hardship that mm. you experienced Man. during COVID? What was the oh, during COVID? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, because that's what you're talking sure. about is, sure. you know. During COVID, uh, <clears throat> the toughest thing, well, see, there's, there's a couple facets here. Loss of community was huge. Yeah. You know, being around people, that synergy, the love we have for each other, the, you know, working with each other, sharing with each other, growing together. The loss of that community was pretty painful. However, I managed to keep it together the best that I could. What I did was, my wife is a fantastic artist, painter, and for her, what I do with her to support her and her art career is I would handle business parts of it. I would photograph all of her artwork, catalog it, scan things, help create a brochure, marketing material, all the things that I already knew. So I was the the business side behind the scenes trying to help her. And in the interim, I had professional lighting that I had to buy so I could photo all the stuff. I had backdrops. I had good cameras. I had videography equipment. I had everything anyway. So the day they said, okay, schools are closed, kids got to go home, pandemic is upon us. Two days later, I had my first online streaming classes. Two days later, I was ready. I saw it coming. I put together a lesson plan. I got the tripods. I got the cameras. I got the lighting going. And I two days later, I started doing a live broadcast and twice a week for my students to be able to log on and do some exercises and stay part of the community in their own virtual way. Mm-hmm. Did you have them like... Did you set it up so they can talk to one another? No, what I did, because because what would happen, you know, if I have 100 students on there, it just <laughs> it wasn't going to work out. So I couldn't do the Zoom thing. Uh, believe it or not, at the time, the Zoom thing, I, I couldn't even have that many on. It was still an emerging platform. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what I did, I just did Facebook Live. So you, anybody in the whole world could have gone to Jordan's Facebook page and just watched the live feed. Mm-hmm. So I did that for my students. And they would comment. I'd see all the comments. I said, okay, if you guys comment during it, I'll do my best to answer it. And Because sometimes they go by too fast. But I had people chiming in from other martial arts schools that had closed and gone out of business. Thank you, Master Jordan, for doing this. And it gave them a sense of purpose. It made them feel good about still doing their training. Obviously, it wasn't the same because I couldn't see you do a technique and fix you. However, the lessons were designed to keep people moving, to be strong, we talked about things at the end to give you some thought. You know, think about this while you're waiting to train the next session. The techniques were not difficult, but it was how they were done to get the good work in. And, you know, there's there's, a, there's an honesty thing, an integrity thing here, right? Are they doing it on the other end? I don't know. In class, I know. <laughs> because they can't get away with it in class. I see them. Yeah, right? but at that moment, that's yeah. not what's important, yeah. right? It was keeping a community together in the only way that we could. So well, I tell you, I got in shape pretty fast, too. <laughs> <laughs> I think I lost 26 pounds during the pandemic. 
uh, wow. doing you know jumping around and doing all the lessons and you know kicking and punching for an hour. I'm like in class, you know, I'm trying to facilitate, so it's not that much. You have your own time. But wow, and uh, it was it was awesome. Really, it was so some good things came out of it. You got to try to find what is that glass half full. And yeah. how, so what happened in the transition for you? How did you kind of get back mm-hmm. into class? Like what? Yeah, what we did is we actually followed all state guidelines to a T. If the state said, okay, now 10 people can get together in a room. Okay, we got 10 people together in a room. If the people were, if the guidelines were A through Z, we followed A through Z. And in the time of the pandemic, this is incredible to say, once we got back face-to-face, remember all the Schools were taking temperatures as people were walking in, right? I did the numbers. I looked at my attendance. We took 16,000 temperatures during a time that we were supposed to. Not one time did somebody come to my class with an elevated temperature. They all bought into it that not one of us is as strong as all of us. They bought into it and said, look, if you're ill, stay home. We're going to be wearing a mask. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We did all the things right. Now 25 can be, now we can be outside. Now we can be inside. Now we can have the fans. Now you can do this. I mean, I adopted every single thing. And I'm proud to say that not one time during COVID, when we were face-to-face, did we have any outbreak in our school. Not even once. And it was, I mean, there's so many levels that I went through. (laughs) <laughs> to make to facilitate to make it happen, I was losing sleep at night. I really was, but we did it. Mm-hmm. We did it. Not I did it. We did it, mm-hmm. and that's what my students really took pride in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was during COVID when I met you, mm-hmm. and uh, so I I just love um, leadership business. I love watching people, and you're one of the people who I watched deal with this successfully, mm-hmm. thrive. I I think. Maybe I'm wrong, but from what I saw, it looked like you almost even grew out of it. Absolutely did. And you you took you took lemons and you you set up the best lemonade stand in the in the county. (laughs) Exactly. That's what we did. That's what my goal was. That's what my vision was. And we actually grew stronger because of it. Yep. Mm -hmm. I think that resolve that a martial artist has anyway, and that you know, like the rising to the level of expectation. For example, my school motto. We train to rise above ourselves, never to rise above other people. It's about self-improvement. And you want to keep rising the best that you can. And they all were on the same page. And we actually grew because of it. When people found out that it was a safe place, that it was a great place, and it was positive things going on, I couldn't turn the phone off. It was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It really was. That's kind of why we called you, right? <laughs> it is. Yeah. Well, because that shows the impact. Yeah. you have on the community. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And well, and really it boils down to the individual person. Sure. And that spreads. Yeah. And so that's a testament, right, to the hard work that you and and the growth and, you know, the hard work that you've done yourself throughout the years that yeah. now you just have that desire to impart on people. Absolutely. And um, so that's really cool. But don't get, it, don't get it twisted either. I'll tell you one thing. I tell my students all the time. See, I come from a generation of when I first started martial arts, the masters and the grandmasters that were up front had this, oh, man, this ego, this self-deifying, deifying, self-deification, I'm all that and you're not and, and you better bow to me. It was really a, it was a different element back then. Um, but I'm the first one to tell you that without my students, I'm just a guy in a room that knows martial arts. 
I tell my black belts and my instructors that all the time. Without you guys, I'm just the guy standing here. Mm -hmm. I said, so don't ever forget. And the, the, the culture that we created, and again, we created it. I could say something, but unless the we wants to do it, right, and you convince them this is why it's a good thing. Mm -hmm. So without them, I'm just a guy who knows martial arts. Absolutely. Right. You know? Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So um, tell us then, you may have already kind of said something, but what are, what's the greatest resource specifically to you mm -hmm. that, um, that really impacted your career? Um, a couple specific people and one specific um, event. <laughs> in terms of, you know, my parents, you know, leading by example and teaching me, you know, all the good things. And then when I met, I, mean, I started when I was young, my parents and I trained together in the same school. And then when I moved on to college, there was someone I started training with then who has been my instructor and my best of friends for since then. And his knowledge is, I mean, he's forgotten more than I know. <laughs> and it's great because the information that I get from him helped forge who I am as an individual. So I had his input. I had my parents' input. And I had my own stuff that I wanted to figure out along the way. But, you know, so in terms of the martial arts knowledge, right from my instructor. And then I took it and developed it into some certain things as well, too. As well as my parents' life skills, uh, lessons, concepts. They are also martial artists, too. So, you know, the whole family was into it. So in terms of what I bring to the martial arts community, you know, I like to say my foundation was laid by my parents and my instructor. But the true genesis behind me opening my school, this is a pretty heavy story, so I'll do my best. Okay. Um, October 29th, 1993, at 8.03 in the morning. That's pretty specific, right? Yeah, I guess so. Okay. okay. <laughs> Here's why. You'll, you'll see why. I'll never forget that. I was heading to work um, one morning, and I was in Colchester on Blakely Road. I lived out there. And somebody fell asleep coming the other direction and hit me in a head-on car collision. And I was almost killed in a car accident. And the jaws of life, the whole thing, to get me out, the injuries were pretty profound the whole right side of my body. Um, I had to have three surgeries on my right foot to make it look like a foot again. I was in a wheelchair. I was, you know, I was in a really, really bad place. And this is going to sound odd, but I'm thankful that it happened. Because prior to that accident, I was a typical 20-something-year-old where what mattered was the cool car and the cool house and, and the cool job and and, you know, my priorities were that of most early 20s men who don't quite have it figured out yet, even though I had a decent head on my shoulders. I'm, I'm not going to say that I was, you know, like, you know, off the rails, but I had a good head on my shoulders. But, you know, my priorities were probably, for what they were at the time, seemed okay. But when that accident happened, it kind of put things in perspective. As I was in the accident, this is the part where it gets heavy, okay? Hey, but I know you guys will be able to appreciate this. Should I get the tissues? And I'm, I'm going to do my best. <laughs> I'm going to do my best. So the accident happens, and the gentleman that hit me wasn't even wearing a seatbelt. He got out of his car, and he says, oh, my gosh, my car, my car, and then he just passed out from shock. But nothing happened to him. He was asleep. 
so his body was pretty relaxed. Me, on the other hand, I grabbed the steering wheel, hit the brake. I was all tense, and that's why everything broke. And it was, I mean, to see the car, you have hard-pressed to realize that I'm even here. Okay? Immediately upon the accident, a woman comes upon the scene, and she says, are you okay? I said, I, I was totally 100% with it. Thank you for my martial arts training. I was able to focus. I, I've been doing it for some time now. Breathe, kind of, you know, think about all the lessons I've learned. And she says, I'm going to get in the seat behind you. It's going to hold your head still until the ambulance gets here. And they're about a mile and a half down the road, coincidentally. So she's in the back seat. She's holding my head still. She says, well, what's your name? I said, Lenny Jordan. So where do you live? And I told her where I live. She says, well, what's your name? And I said, you already asked me that. <laughs> she says, I'm just trying to make sure you're with it. I'm a nurse. I just want to hold your head still until the people get here. And she kept talking to me and stuff. And I couldn't see her. She was just holding my head still. So, and the ambulance shows up, and she says, well, the ambulance crew's here. I'm going to let them take over. Well, I happened to know two gentlemen personally on the ambulance crew. And one of them, he was, uh, you know, his name is Kevin, funny guy, real jokester all the time. And first thing he says to me, he says, hey, Lenny, had better days, huh? You know, trying to make me just kind of, I said, Kevin, I'm glad you're here. Please get me out of here. And I knew another guy. So they got me out of here. She went on her way. I have to fast forward to about a month later. So I'm in a wheelchair, and they brought me to a place to have a party. Party for Lenny. Yay. You know, all that good stuff. And I appreciate it. I was surrounded by a bunch of friends. And Kevin was there. So I said, Kevin, I said, thank you for all that you did. I cannot begin to tell you how much I'm thankful for you. I said, can I ask you a question? Who was the woman that was holding my head still? when you guys arrived and he's a prankster right so he's like what woman i said shut up i said the one that was holding my head still and he goes what woman and i said kind of knock it off and then he looked at me with like a gesture of like i'm not joking what are you getting at and he was confused i said okay no no worries i appreciate you let's go have a party whatever whatever i fast forward again down the road and my father and i had reconciled you know, when the parent, you know, all that good stuff. So I'm speaking to my dad on the phone. And I said, listen, you know, I'm going to tell you the story. And I told him the story of what happened. And he goes, well, what did she look like? And I said, I didn't see her. I'm guessing 50s, graying hair, glasses, kind of curly. She said she was a nurse. And she said, well, you just described your aunt who passed away when your mom was pregnant with you. And I was blown away. I was like, you know, do you? Some people will hear this and be like, oh, come on. Some people hear this and say, oh, I get it, right? So for whatever reasons, that is how things happen. I, I was lucid. I was completely with it the whole time, <laughs> okay? And when he told me that, I just burst into tears. So I had to say, okay, well, that happened for a reason. And when that happened and when I realized what had happened, it had completely changed um, my, the parameters of how I saw things. Up until that point, I was an accomplished martial artist. And I was, you know, athletic, and I was really good, and I competed a lot, won some circuits, won this, won that. But I never won the United States National Championships. It was just, there wasn't things that I had done. When I got in my accident, I said, you know what? I have to face facts. I'm not going to be the martial artist I used to be. I want to open up a school and teach what I've learned to this point and help 
build a community in the martial arts. So that accident was the reason why I opened my school. But the reason why I opened my school was the, not only was the accident, but what I experienced in that particular moment where it was, okay, Lenny, you need to recheck. You need to say, do this path because this is what you need to do. It's not about the car. It's not about the condo. It's not about how much money you made. It's not about this. It's not about that. All the things that I thought were the most important things like a typical 24-year-old guy does, right? So it had to become about everybody else. So that's why I opened my school. And the rest is history from that point. It really, really is. And it's, it's zero regrets. I, I, I'm, that's why when someone says, you're glad your accident happened, you're glad you almost died in a car crash, 100% glad because it's led me here to where I am today. Because if it hadn't happened, this wouldn't exist. I don't believe it for a heartbeat. I really don't. Yeah. yeah. That's a really powerful story. It really is. So what's next for Jordan's Black Belt Academy then? I think what's next is, um, you know, for me is, you know, there's always a, an attrition. People come and go. But to keep the school strong and keep promoting black belts, promoting people up through. And there's going to come a time where, you know, I'm going to be just the figurehead. <laughs> really, it's, it happens. It's, it, that's, that's just a natural process. My hope is to keep growing, reaching out to the community, teaching all families, all ages, uh, still staying involved with a lot of the elementary schools and all the PE programs, artists and residencies, corporate wellness programs that I do. I, I, I work with a lot of different types of organizations. And just to keep on doing that as long as I can, as long as I can offer that. And then grow it to such a point where my legacy when I'm gone, isn't about, oh, man, remember how high Master Jordan could jump? That doesn't matter. What matters is when I'm gone, my legacy at Jordan's Black Belt Academy is to me. Remember how nice Master Jordan was, even though he made us do push-ups? <laughs> I want them to remember me for who I am, not for what I could do. Right. That is not it because there's going to come a time where nobody's going to be able to throw a kick. We're all going to be sitting in a chair. Father time is undefeated. <laughs> It really is, yeah. you know? So my legacy is what I'm trying to build, and through my daughter, to see her grow. She got her black belt with me, but she's going off to college. Seeing all these kids that stayed with me who are now adults, masters, starting families, knowing that I had some little snippet uh, of how they evolved, that's good enough for me. I don't want to conquer the world. I don't want to be the most famous martial artist in the world. Absolutely not. I just want to provide what we're doing now as long as I can. So then, what advice would you give yourself, mm -hmm. your younger My self? My younger self? Um, don't eat that shrimp when you're in Virginia uh, that was too warm because what it did to you. <laughs> it was a bad restaurant. I should have known. There was nobody there at noon on a Friday. I should have known better. No, uh, all kidding aside. I think the uh, what advice would I give my younger self is to... Boy, I would say, too bad you didn't find your path earlier, but I'm glad that you did. Um, I would say you're going to have a lot of things thrown your way that you may not like, and you they may be painful, but they're part of who you are. They You develop on all these experiences. Take the best you can from all these experiences that you're about to go through, lock mohe, remember them, 
because they are going to help form you as a person and forge your path. So, you know, don't overlook simple things. I overlooked some simple things probably, things that were probably beautiful that if I had known better and thought of them earlier, I probably could have reached a certain destination earlier. You know, keep your eyes open. Really take advantage of every opportunity given to you. Go with 100%. Don't be hesitant. What's the worst that's going to happen? You fail. We all fail at things. But get back up. Keep on going. You know, so I'd say, you know, keep up that that motivation, that thought process of trying to become the best version of yourself sooner than what it took me. So, in other words, don't take the path to be smart, but take yeah, the path to be, be wise. wise. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. You know, and it's difficult, too, because, you know, the easiest path isn't always the correct path. Mm-hmm. As human beings, we're, I like to say we're models of efficiency, but I can also call it we're lazy. <laughs> we take the path of least resistance. Yep. It's a human condition. And sometimes the path of least resistance isn't the best path. And you're going to be tested on that a lot in our lives, right? But, uh, you know, forge that path. Even if it's going to be difficult, still forge that path. Yeah. So this is my last question. Um, If somebody's listening and they want to become a student, they want to get involved, Mm -hmm. how would they get in touch with you? How do they find out about? your program sure. and your school. Not a problem. I'm, I'm out there. It's pretty easy to find. Uh, of course, if you were to Google Y-O-R-D-A-N, Jordan, I'm going to come up because <laughs> there's not a lot of us in the country, right? Uh, but Jordan's Black Belt Academy is uh, on the web. We have our webpage, which is Y-B-B-A, Jordan's Black Belt Academy, Y-B-B-A.com. And all of my contact information is on there. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, you can find us uh, on Instagram under Master Jordan, one word, M-A-S-T-E-R-Y-O-R-D-A-N. And uh, usually between those uh, spots, you can find us. And then just reach out and say, hey, I'm, you know, I'd love to try out martial arts and see what it's about. And people have their own preconceived notions as to what it may or may not be. The best thing to do is come and take a look. Walking through the door is the hardest part. But yes, one is. thing you will see at Jordan's Black Belt Academy is that sense of family and community. The day you walk in, they're going to welcome you like you've been there forever. Mm-hmm. And I'm super proud of that. We tried to... I've, that is what we've tried to create from day one, is that we're here for each other. It's an extended family. It, it really is. And I've, just because of all the people I've seen grow up and come back, it's amazing. It really is. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time yeah. and for sharing your story. Yeah, I'm pleasure to be here. I'm honored that you would ask. And uh, if there's anything I can do and offer in the future, please do not hesitate to ask. We look forward to seeing your movie someday. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, wasn't that amazing? Yeah. What a great conversation we had. He's just so much fun. And what a story. And, you know, we get to hear a little bit more because we don't record everything and we are in conversation before and after. And it is just amazing. And so I think it'd be good for people to just really get to know him, those who are coming in for classes and just amazing man. Yeah, I've gotten to to know him and work with him for a, a little while now, and he's one of those guys that you you leave and you feel uh, better having mm-hmm. been around him. He just has this way of of speaking life into you and making you feel uh, good. Yeah, and I mean, and just his whole attitude of you know positive attitude toward life that no matter what 
that's the hope we were talking about. He just has hope. Yeah, and it, he's it very encouraging. Him. Very. Yeah. So, so when you get around him, you're encouraged. Mm-hmm. I know that uh, those who take the class with him, they leave their class feeling encouraged and empowered. Well, not only that, he just loves people. He really he does. loves what he does, and he loves people, and it's just amazing. Yeah, yeah. You, you can see it all over him. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I mean, I, I if you don't know him get to know him reach out to him on facebook or the platforms he said but uh mm-hmm. yeah and let us know what you think of this podcast um you can call us at 802-858-5534 uh you can also email us talk of the town vt podcast at gmail.com yep yeah so once again that number is 802-858-5534 and we're going to make sure that you hear it at the end and not at the beginning because <laughs> We want you to listen to the whole thing. That's right. Come There's on. so much. That's why we're doing what we're doing, so you can get the whole picture. That's right. And Plus, that it, it can impact you. The metrics are better if you listen to the whole thing. Come Not on. Matrix? Not Matrix. Okay. No. <laughs> metrics. <laughs> metrics. That makes me think of his movie, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was expecting him to say Bruce Lee movie. Yeah, something, right? Yeah. No, it's totally the other direction. Yeah, so his life story. So we're going to talk to a director and a producer and see if we can get that made. <laughs> uh, don't <laughs> hold your breath. <laughs> so we thank you for listening to Talk of the Town. And until next time, see you later. You've been listening to Talk of the Town with Giles and Carmen, the podcast for the Mount Mansfield community. Thank you for listening, and we hope to see you again next podcast. <laughs>